Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I don't know what happened to my camera. <laughs> I'm having camera issues here. As you can tell, it's a different angle. As soon as I go on, it, it cuts out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and this morning I'm joined by co-host Matt Llewellyn and our guy, Mike Andrews of Nothing But Niners. we got a great show for you planned today. Before I hot toss over to the guys, if you're tuning in on Twitter, head over to youtube.com slash 49ers Hive. Join from there so we can see and interact with your comments. With that all said, let's get into this. Matt, the 49ers have a huge week four primetime matchup on Monday night against the Los Angeles Rams. The rivalry continues. What do we make of this matchup? Uh, uh, I don't know. After I mean, I didn't get to join you guys for the postgame um, after the Broncos debacle. I don't know what to make of this team, really, let alone this matchup. Um, this is... This is a team that has a lot of soul searching to do and they need to do it quickly because you know what was scheduled and slated to be the easier part of their schedule is now by the wayside. Now we're going to get into the tougher games of the season. You're going to get to go up against, you know, really good quarterbacks. It starts with Matthew Stafford and you know, for a team that's perpetually owned the Rams, man, it might be a new day. Um I'm not feeling too bullish on this 49ers team as it stands right now, honestly. I mean, I agree. It's tough to be excited, to be honest. Mike, should we be optimistic the 49ers have won, what, six of the last seven versus the Rams, six straight regular season games? Matthew Stafford maybe isn't looking as hot. They don't have the same receiving core. But we have Jimmy G. Jimmy so G. what do we make of this? Yeah, I mean, if you want to be positive, right, I guess you can say Jimmy Garoppolo has never lost a regular season game against the Rams. Uh, but And he actually – statistically has some of his better performances against this team as well. Um, But it's just going to be rough for us to psych ourselves into believing that what we saw last week isn't going to carry over into this game. You know, Uh, the extra day of preparation, maybe that will help. Uh, But it's, I mean, I'll I'll be honest with you guys and and anything involved with uh, money. Like I, I took the Rams in this. So... What a, what a lovely ending to that sentence. Um, yeah, it, it's hard not to. And I was a little surprised the 49ers came into this week favored. I know the home team gets spotted three points, but even still, 
I think last I checked, it was at one and a half. I don't know if it's changed at all. Um, obviously, the biggest injury the 49ers are dealing with will now be their left tackle, Trent Williams, who's out with that high ankle sprain. Colton McKivitz, I believe, is expected to step in for him. Matt, last year, if I remember correctly, he played a little bit in place of Trent Williams, and he played a little bit Sunday night against the Broncos, and he looked all right. Are you expecting a bloodbath on that left side of the line? Oh, Jimmy G is going to get blasted. Jimmy D is going to be in trouble all game long. I mean, listen, you already had a suspect interior offensive line. Now you're going up against Aaron Donald. And with the focus that's going to be on Aaron Donald, they're going to have some pass rushers on the outside that are going to be able to get home. Yeah, there's no Von Miller here anymore. But that's not to say that, you know, with the injuries to the offensive line, that even marginal pass rushers are going to get some shine against this 49ers line, particularly if they're not able to run the ball. Um Man, you know, it would have been hard enough with Trey Lance, who has escapability and can get outside. Jimmy G has a statue back there. Um, he's, listen, I mean, I guess it can't get any worse than the worst play in, in franchise history, which happened last week, which was the safety pass that would have been a pick six had the pass actually gone. I've never seen such a such a bumblefuck of a play. Um, it's the worst play that I've ever seen in my life. Um, so I guess it can't get much worse, but... It certainly isn't going to get better behind that patchwork piece of shit offensive line that I definitely, definitely, definitely remember for, what, four fucking months, five fucking months, saying that they need to address, they need to address, they need to address. They didn't address it. And by the way, it's really funny on that worst play in 49ers history, not only was it the safety, not only would it have been a pick six, but that's the actual play that Trent Williams got injured on. So it was just a complete cluster, like, it just... I can't believe that that play happened. The aftermath of that play is that the 49ers season is quickly going downhill. And any type of, I mean, even the Jimmy stands out there can't defend what's going on right now. And all hope and all, you know, excitement and all of the the positivity around this team has quickly been sucked right out of the building. You know, people are questioning Kyle. People question Jimmy. They're both on the press conferences making shit up about what Jimmy said or like what their relationship is. Like you can't go out there and say all your plays suck, man. And then tell people, Oh, I don't read lips. I don't remember what I said. Like, I mean, that might be obvious because you don't remember how to read a defense or play the quarterback position either. So that might be true. Kyle out there saying like, Oh yeah. It's like, you know, the, the banter between two friends, Kyle does not look like the type of guy that's going to let his friends talk to him like that. So they can miss me with that bullshit. I think that's the theme. You know, uh, we went from revenge tour to rehab tour back in 2020. Um, and I think that it's another even number year curse where 2022 it's, we go from, you know, trying to make a move with Trey Lance to just being a team com- that's complete bullshit. So I'm fucking, I don't know, man. Garbage. <laughs> The lovely Matt Rant. Since you brought it up, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I'll let you go. Okay, I was just gonna. We haven't done a podcast with three of us since last week, or I'm not even sure when the last one was, but definitely not since this clip has been speculated. Spec, uh, excuse me, circulating online. So we got to react to it here since we have it up and since Matt brought it up. This is yeah, Brooks Anderson, BNA Music eighty eight on Twitter. Found this little snippet, which has been viewed over 1.4 million times now. And there's all to me, there's only two things that he could be saying. Like Matt said, all of your plays suck, man. Or draw plays suck, man. That's 
those are the only two things I get. And I couldn't find the specific play that happened before this. It wasn't a draw play, though, on that play. I didn't think it was. I thought it was just a normal pass, if I remember it was correctly. A pass. He definitely said, all your plays suck, man. Like, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. And then when asked about it at the press conference, he said... Jimmy G oh, might me. not remember, but Pepperidge Farm remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Shannon was asked about it, and he says, this is what is hilarious to me, just totally contradicting himself. I'm not a very good lip reader, but I probably won't watch it. Then he added, the clip to me is a joke. I can't believe we're even talking about it. I'm pretty sure that's not what he said. So how can you not watch it, won't watch it, yet you're pretty sure that's not what he said at the same time? Go ahead, Mike. In, in Kyle's defense, they get briefed on things that the press is likely to ask. Uh, so something like that blowing up on 49ers Twitter, it's all over the different radio stations and things like that. People are talking about it. They had to say, look, there's a clip going around where people think Jimmy is saying all your plays suck. Uh, so, you know, be, be prepared for it. Doesn't mean that he watched it. Doesn't mean that he saw it. Um, and he probably can't believe, <coughs> excuse me, he probably can't believe that they are discussing it. All of those things can be true and him still know what the rumors were just to, Throw Kyle just a little bit of bail. Just a little bit of bail. But how can, well, you, how can you think that's not what he said or be sure that's not what he said? If you didn't even watch it, you don't plan on watching it. You know, like, to, it's like somebody telling you, like, this is what this paper says. I don't think that's don't what know. that paper says. I, I don't think, well, believe it. I think it's one of those things where you have um, people in your life where, you know, maybe your friend commits murder and you're like, dude, he wouldn't do that sort of thing before all the facts come out. And then when all the facts come out, you go, oh, shit, he did. He did say that. He did do that, you know? And I and think that's kind of what that is. It's, it's also part of Kyle's cockiness. Like, there's no way this guy is going to tell me my plays suck. Like, he's he's not dumb enough. Yeah. To do something like that. It could be the arrogance and, and all. Like, dude, like, the plays that I call, you can't even execute. There's no way he's going to say my plays suck. You know, I don't care what point in the game he, he you guys thought he said that. There's no way he's going to say that about me. Like, that guy knows better. If anyone's going to say it, it's not going to be him. Right? So I, I think that part of that is in there also. Like, Jimmy wouldn't say that. Uh, just like earlier in the offseason, um, <clears throat> Brandon Marshall was there for the I Am Athlete podcast, and they were like, yeah, so Sean McVay said uh, that – you no, Kyle was on with them. I'm sorry. This was not at the presser. Kyle did like a little 15-minute episode with them, and uh, they said, yeah, so we talked to the Rams, uh, and we were talking to Sean McVay, much like how you gave us time. And McVay said, you know, uh, Kyle, Kyle's not at the top anymore, like – the NFC West runs through us and like, he's got to, he's got to deal with us now. And he was like, wait, did he really say that? Cause I'll respond for real. If he said that and they, and they were like, no, 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 just kidding. He didn't say that. But like Kyle's that type of person, like, wait, that guy said that, like, I will air his shit out if that's really what he said. But the guys were like, no, 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 just kidding. Just kidding. He didn't say that at all. So he was like, oh, okay. Cause I didn't think Sean would talk like that. Like Kyle was ready to let loose. Like you could tell, like he's Matt said, like, oh, you know, his friends aren't going to talk to him like that. That's furthering Matt's point, right? Like, People who know me know yeah. better than me like that. So I, I do think all oh, that's funny. I I think a lot of it, too, is that Kyle is kind of stuck with Jimmy right now. So he's going to try to quash any, you know, whatever. But at the same time, I bet you Kyle got red ass on him behind the scenes. Because, you know, Kyle Kyle's going to come up. If it was me, I'd be like, look, motherfucker, I've defended you in the press time after time after time after you made dumb throw after dumb throw after dumb throw and you're going to come out and say in public for people to see that my my place suck like nah man like this is why we demoted you this is why you're you know you had to take a pay cut to stay here to be the backup and just because you're getting some shine now because the first guy got injured 
that ain't it, man. So I don't know. It is what it is. It's a whole bunch of hanky situations. And some people are team Jimmy and some people are team Kyle. I've seen people say that, you know, Kyle needs to call better games. And I'm like, listen, bro, I've seen the two minute reel of all the reads and throws that Jimmy Garoppolo fucked up on. And people still be like, oh, it's like um, that play when Debo came wide open out of the bunch formation, right? When immediately threw his hand up, right? And clowns online and clowns in, in you know, the people that I know, they're like, oh, well, Kyle's plays are predetermined reads based on the defense. They only go to one spot. I'm like, that's fucking stupid, first of all. And second of all, if you're trying to tell me that the first read was the dig to Brandon Ayuk on the other side, you're completely out of whack. It was man coverage with the corners. You're not going to throw a dig route and run them into the teeth of the defense when you got bunch on the other side. If that was the case, you run a go route and you play one-on-one because there was a single high safety, but he was on the hash towards Ayuk. Diva was wide ass open. Kittle runs a dive uh, like a like a in and out, like a slant and out route to to bunch up the corners and create space for Debo. But you're telling me that Ayuk was a read, so people are just making shit up, man. It, I don't know. It, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. The fact of the matter is, you go online right now, you can find a reel. I, it's literally two minutes long of Jimmy Garoppolo making mistake after mistake after mistake in that game. Even on the pass that he hit to Debo that was wide open, it was such a badly thrown pass that Debo had to turn around and caught it on a backpedal and fell down when that should have been a touchdown pass. So, I don't know. Uh, the, the offense is just hard to watch, bro. It's so hard to watch, but I mean, I'm in love with the defense and I think that could be our saving grace that could still get us to the playoffs because this defense is nice. Yeah. I mean, it, we better hope defenses actually do win championships because if the Niners get there, it's going to be with a miracle and through the defense. There were just adding on to Matt's point, a handful of plays that were a house call. If Kyle, if Jimmy just hits and executes them correctly, that's seven points right there. Um, I can think of two off the top of my head to Debo Samuel where he's wide open, and I just think it's hilarious. Like you said, Matt, Kyle Shanahan is literally still defending Jimmy, including on the play where Jimmy runs out the back of the end zone. Kyle, what did he say? I shouldn't have called that. I shouldn't have put him in that position. Like, he's still taking ownership, and I thought it was funny when Jimmy was asked about this. He said he didn't know what he said which I find hilarious because how can you not know what yourself said? And then he basically said, if I do take ownership, um, then I, or if I do mess up, I'll always take ownership of my mistakes. And I'm like, but he never does, bro. No. He never, does. he's just saying it like, cause people called him out on it. He's like, Oh yeah. 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 yeah I do that. Yeah. It's we like, will, if somebody, all, asks somebody asks you, ask you wash your hands after you take a piss and everybody knows that you don't, but you don't think anybody saw you. So you're like, yeah, 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 I do. Throw yeah. the screenshot up that I sent you, bro. I, I'm doing it right this now. Is exactly what I'm talking about. We this all is saw, the shit that I'm talking about. We all saw the post game presser, and Jimmy took zero. It's we have to be better. We have to be better. Right. Not once we say I have to. Make we don't have a lot of time up. together. Yeah. Right. It's but crazy. look, this is the play that I'm talking about. Blow this up, dude. Jimmy is staring right fucking at Debo, and he just does not throw the ball. There is nobody over the top. That's insane. That's that he, he's looking there. He's looking there. He's literally looking at him. And you know what it is? If I don't make this throw, I'm not going to hear the end of it. Let me take the safer underneath route. That's what... That's he threw what it like down call. here, right? He threw it to Ayuk. Yeah, that's down at the bottom. And, there, and, and I got idiots telling me that that was the fucking primary read. No goddamn way. Kittle had run this slant in, right? Um, what is... Who's that? Jennings up top. 
is like running a different route. I think it's like a five yard out, but he's running like they're layering the route so that Debo can get open because yeah. Kittle is diving inside to rub this corner so that he can't take Debo. There's a single high on the opposite hash. I mean, that's a touchdown all day. Yeah, easy. And it's an easy throw. Look at the a distance. fucking high school quarterback here, right? can make that throw. We're not talking about a 40, 50 yard throw or anything like that. Even from where Jimmy is standing to where Debo is right there. It's 15 that's yards. 15, 15 yards. yards. That's 15 yards. Like, if you can't make this throw without hesitating, now we know why. You're not an NFL starting quarterback. Right. We know why Kyle's looking to move on from this guy. Yeah. And I just want to say, we saw exactly why Kyle decided to move on from Jimmy Sunday night. Like, blame it on Russ, blame it on whatever the hell you want to blame it on. I think it's clear it's not Kyle. And I've seen a lot of people coming out and saying, Kyle Shanahan is supposed to be this offensive genius. He was. He was still good on Sunday night. Maybe he wasn't good enough to win with Jimmy's deficiencies, but he put the team in enough positions to where they should have won this game by by two scores. I, I would say this. I think that his running game is a little uninspired. I think that he puts tried to put flourishes on it or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's his dad's running system. I think he actually shines in the passing game where he schemes a lot of shit open, right? Like the where, run game. Good. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, was gonna say I just think the, that it's it's pretty obvious where the run game is going. Like you line up Debo in the backfield, you know where it's going. Like every, it's like I can call it to a T where exactly the ball is going on the run game. But the passing game, the way that he layers routes to get people open, there is a busted coverage or a wide open guy like that at least two to three times a game. That could be house calls, and it's preposterous that the 49ers can't take more advantage because fucking Lemmy Garoppolo, fucking Jimmy Joke can't fucking hit uh, the, the most basic of passes that college and high school quarterbacks can make. It's ridiculous. Um, I just think that, you know, Kyle needs to get a lot better at scheming his runs. I think he can scheme blocks. Well, I don't think he schemes the run game. Well, overall he runs. Typically he runs on the same type of downs in the same situations. He doesn't really mix it up. I don't think he really misdirects well. And I think that that is kind of limiting for the run game. I, I as much as I want to agree with that, the run game with running backs has been very successful this season. We're averaging well over three yards of carry per running back when you total it all up. The problem is you're running Debo five times for six yards. And I get it. You have to manufacture touches for this guy because of the contract and all that kind of stuff. But like at a certain point, we were never down in this game multiple scores. Not once. Not one time in this game were we down enough where you have to abandon the run with the running backs. And so we finished this past game. They were averaging over six yards a carry. And don't, I know people always say, oh, well, look, at he had a 32-yard run, so that's why it's going to, you know, pad the number. I don't care. That's what Kyle's run game is. It's a little bit here, a little bit there, and then here's a bigger one. Like, you can't abandon that. That's part of the game plan. So even with the run game, there's there's enough creativity there at, where it's successful. Stop like just forcing the ball to Debo in the backfield because everyone knows where it's going. As soon as Debo lines up in the backfield, we know he's getting the ball. Even if he breaks out on a route, it's still a pass to Debo. Like we got to we got to be more creative yeah. than that. I, I just get it, you can use him as a decoy. It's okay to use him as a decoy. That's that's the main thing. And I mean, honestly, you wouldn't have to line Debo up in the backfield to manufacture touches if you can hit Debo on these wide open ass plays that he has. Like, I don't think Debo's going to be mad if he has four catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns because he's fucking wide open. Any wide receiver is going to be like, yeah, I only caught it four times, but I got a, I got a buck and I got two touchdowns. Like, they're not going to be mad at that. 
that's efficiency. That's like, I get to work in the open field or whatever. And you could still manufacture touches if you do like a lot of the stuff that they do with the tunnel screens, out of bunch formation or whatever. You can still get him the ball in space on the perimeter before the teeth of the defense could react. And the other thing that you're doing, we saw it with Lance. We saw it with, uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell and stuff. When you're running these guys into the heart of the defense, play after play after play after play, this is where the injuries happen. So you got to manufacture touches out in space with the smaller guys like Debo against like linebackers and shit. Like I'm not too stoked on that Debo against corners all day. Like he's going to, he's going to brute force corners all day and there's ways to do it. So I think there could be some improvements, but all these people that are like, Oh no, it's not Jimmy. It's Kyle. I'm like, man, y'all need to get an eye wash going. Cause y'all motherfuckers are blind. And the good thing about 49ers Twitter is that there's so many people who are covering the team and the content creators out there. You get the all 22 plays after every game. This guy was open here. This guy was open there. This guy, like people were like, Mike, why don't you get into it? I just go on Twitter. I'm not I don't need to waste my time cutting and cropping to all 22 plays and doing my own breakdown. There's plenty of it right there on Twitter. You, you can see it. And. The plays are there. So for people coming at Kyle, you know, saying that he's not as good of a play caller, he's really not the genius, it was McDaniels all along and all that stuff, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Kyle was just as good as he was, if not better, before. And then what we're seeing right now is being limited by the quarterback that you have under center. And, you know, there's people calling for uh, Purdy to get in there. I'm not 100% sold on that yet. However, there is an element of we don't know what we're going to get that could be beneficial to the 49ers. And I'm not saying that now is the time to do it. Let me be very clear with what I'm saying. I don't think we should make the transition just yet. However, there will come a point in the season where Jimmy hurts his pinky nail and he's, he's going to miss a game. He's going to miss some snaps. And I will be glued to the screen every snap that he's in there taking under center Purdy. Uh, so we just got to be patient. And back to the defense, the defense, is going to be good enough in this game in particular to hold us up. You know, the Rams, they have nine sacks on the season. They're averaging three a game, right? Aaron Donald only has two. He's still causing his disruption and things like that. But the Niners defense is, it's just, it's something different. Like we went into this offseason saying, all right, what's going to be the weakness? Probably the safeties, especially when we lost Jimmy Ward, right? The safeties are playing the, they're the best tandem in the entire NFL right now without Jimmy Ward out there. They're getting their hands on balls. They're tipping them to each other. They're they're making plays behind the line of scrimmage. You can't ask for more from the safety group, the, the weak spot. That's That was where the deficiency was, right? That was the weak spot of this defense. Look at how good these guys are playing. It's a shame. It's a crime that the offense can't hold up their end of the deal. We, we, we got to get it figured out and get it figured out sooner than later. I mean, if the defense keeps playing like this, then maybe – Maybe you look into making a move with Ward at the deadline because he's going to be a free agent anyway. He's on the wrong side of 30 coming off another injury. But if you can get value for him, something that's going to help out your offense, maybe you can move Ward. And, you know, if it's looking like Elijah Mitchell's not going to be back, right, maybe you move Ward and somebody else and go out and get a guy that's disgruntled but talented like a Kareem Hunt or something like that that can actually help supplement the offense. Because unlike – I mean – for as much love as people have for Jeff Wilson Jr., you can't pretend like Kareem Hunt isn't a better option. So speaking of the defense, unfortunately, we're going to go over the injury report for both teams. And Matt, I want to get your thoughts on a certain player on the injury report. Um, so for the 49ers, did not participate on Friday. Aziz Al-Shair with the knee injury, Eric Armstead with the foot injury, TDP ankle Ross Dwelly, rib, Danny Gray, hip, 
Tyler Croft knee, Tarverus Moore hamstring, and Trent Williams the ankle, and Daniel Brunsko, excuse me, was limited with a hamstring injury. But also, Javon Kinlaw did not participate with a knee injury. Danny Gray and Javon Kinlaw, if I remember correctly, popped up on there like Thursday out of nowhere. One, where, where are these injuries happening? And two, could this be the same knee, Matt, that Javon Kinlaw just had a surgery on on the offseason and the doctors were hoping they solved the root cause? It could, but it could also be the other one, too. All right. They didn't specify. So, I mean, here's here's one thing that I know just in general, if an athlete is going to tear an ACL, if they're going to have an ACL tear in their career, it's they have a significant higher likelihood of tearing the other ACL at some point. That's just that's statistically how it goes. It, it's probably something physiologically with your body that predisposes you. I know for a fact that um, female athletes are more inclined to tear their ACLs, but that's because they carry wider hips and they have a little bit of inversion from their hip to their knee angle, which causes stress on the knee. They tend to pop their ACLs a little more than than men do. Just the same thing could be true for athletes. Again, you you are predisposed to a second ACL tear in the opposite knee if you have one in, in the first knee. So, um, you know, cause you see a lot of guys, right. Where they have like this horrific angle of, of attack specifically at baseball. I remember, um, Bryce Harper was in San Francisco against the giants. It's raining. He steps on first base and his knee just like backward bows. And you're just like, all right, his knee is completely blown out. Like there's no way he's coming back from this mm-hmm. bone bruise, no ligament damage came back in like two weeks. So some people are just built and they just don't get knees injured. Other guys, it's like, like we saw Sterling Shepard just not even running fast. Boom, ACL. So, it, you know, and I believe he had had a prior ACL injury as well. So it's that's just one of those things. I don't know which knee it is. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the twice repaired one. I mean, you can only do so much before you're compromising the structural integrity of something. But, you know, we don't even know what it is. So it could just be something as simple as like his knee is sore. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think this is probably more of a precautionary thing. We have the extra day. If he came in there and said, guys, it feels a little tight, just one small complaint about that knee, I'm just going to say, sit down. It's Thursday. We have until Monday. Sit your ass down. Relax. We'll we'll, we'll reevaluate it in a day or two. See how you're feeling. We have time. Take advantage of the extra day in the workout schedule. You know what I mean? Um, I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. Um, Now, if it turns out that Armstead and Kinlaw aren't playing, whew, now we might be in some trouble. All of a sudden, you might see Cam Akers out of that doghouse that Sean McVay has him in right now, and he becomes the bell cow that they all expected him to be. Uh, it's been well-documented. I've been listening to a bunch of different Rams podcasts. Uh, Cam Akers, based off of what they're saying, I won't tell you that I've watched every snap down in and down out, is the better running back. They say Henderson starts well, and then after the first couple of drives, he is back to being a less than – average running back for that team but something's going on over there with cam Akers. uh uh, sean mcveigh is not liking something that he's doing whether it's the preparation leading into ball security bro he fumbles fumbles. oh okay so there you go so there's something that that mcveigh isn't liking the ball security whatever and he's kind of in a doghouse now so they're not using him even though he's the more gifted back in that system uh if armstead and kinlaw are out I would put Cam Akers in there and let him go crazy on the 49ers because this is going to be a game about clock control. This is going to be about, you know, ground and pound. I expect to see between the two teams over 80 carries. I'm not even exaggerating. I expect to see that many carries in this game. So 
Uh, if if that's the case, if that's what they're going to do, we're going to have we're going to have to really it's going to be gut check time. The linebackers are going to have to really step up and fill those gaps because Kinlaw's not in there and Armstead may not be in there. It's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of uh, trouble for the 49ers. Yeah. Um, so we have some questions in the chat for Matt. Eric Armstead, the foot injury, if I remember correctly, plantar. Yeah. Break that down yeah. for us if you can. Like what it is. Um, so your your muscles have like a little sheath around them. It's a fascia. Um, it's on the underside of, of your foot. It's like pretty soft down there if you actually feel on it. It's more towards the medial side of your foot, so the inside. It's that soft, meaty part. Um, and it it's like a tear in that fascia. And it is – I've had it. It's excruciatingly painful. It's a weird thing where it's – stiff it's stiff it's stiff right but then you finally warm it up to a point and then it's almost like it's kind of cool right it's fine it's whatever then when you're done and you cool down it's three times as painful as it was before you started and it's just kind of a cycle like that it lasts a long time because traditionally circulation to your feet is worse than circulation to other parts of your body it takes a long time to heal and it's really something that he could probably play with especially if they were doing some type of like you know pain interventions but it's going to be something that's going to linger pretty much for the entire season um it's it's a long time coming and the only way to really kind of get over it is to rest and so if they expect him to come back at any point it's not just going to disappear because he'll feel like he's fine and then the minute that he pushes off that too hard it's going to go but right back to feeling like shit so uh, he's going to either have to deal with it or he's going to miss extended time i thought I thought Armstead might not be playing. I was I was writing him off uh, until he posted this. I don't know if there's a date on here, but he posted this three. Oh, there it is. Three days ago, he posted this uh, this this clip here. Uh, Nobody cares. Work harder. To achieve anything worthwhile comes with adversity. Shake back ninety one. This tells me I'm resting. I'm going to be back. I really, really believe well, I, that's what I, I think. Or he's or he's, he's going to play through it. That's, right. that's really that's what, really because there's no rest. One week is not going to take care of plantar fasciitis. This is like a six to eight week thing that's going to. But I think Can what they're going to do is manage it with with pain killing injections or wrapping it tighter. And then he's just going to be able to go. It's not like he can do anything like worse, like the fascia is already torn, but it's not like it's going to put him at a higher risk for any other type of injury per se. Right. It's more about pain management and being able to work through it. So if he can do that, then he should be okay. Okay. It's going to suck. Don't get me wrong. It's going to suck, but he can play. So I wanted to pull this up on the flip side. We have the Rams um, injury report and it will have a new offensive line looking, excuse me, out there for the Monday night. So the Rams injury report for Friday Center Brian Allen with a knee injury, corner to Kobe Durant with a hamstring injury, guard David Edwards' illness, and center, or excuse me, corner David Long with a groin injury. All did not practice. Jordan Fuller, their safety was limited, and Darian Kendrick, their corner, was a full participant. But my guy Brad over at SF Niners tweeted this out, um, or printed out this graphic. Gary Klein noting that the Rams offensive line will be left tackle Joe Noteboom, left guard Bobby Evans, center Coleman Shelton, right guard Alark Jackson and right tackle Rob Havenstein. Totally new offensive line, including two yep. new guards. And by the way, just, just to break in real quick, Matt Barrows just tweeted on Twitter that Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw are on hand at the start of today's practice. 
Okay. Breaking news. This is it's, where the 49ers are going to get money, by the way. Yes, sir. This is this is the line you got to get your guys healthy against. And look, if there's ever a time to play through some pain, it's to finish the first quarter of the season two and two. It's to finish the first quarter of the season in first place in your division. Forget all the other teams. They can go out there and win. They can go out there and lose. It does not matter. We win this game the first quarter of the season. If we're in first place in the NFC West, it was a success. I know what we lost along the way. I know the games that we lost. I know the plays that we saw. It's funny. Matt talked about that Jimmy Garoppolo pick six safety play, right? Eight points all in one play that didn't really end up being eight points, right? But it was two points plus possession being the worst play that you ever saw from Jimmy Garoppolo. It's funny because the last time we saw Jimmy play against the Rams, that was the worst play from Jimmy Garoppolo. The pirouette with the backwards toss to the running back, right? That ended up being an interception, right? That Which was, was later in the season from Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the backwards pass that, that he was like, hey, that's incomplete. And it's like, no, that's a fumble, bro. You threw it backwards. Right, right. So, you know, like it, it's little things like that that, you know, are all going to dwell in the back of your minds. But if there's a chance the Niners can win this game, it's going to be on the backs of their defense. Kyle has to manufacture just just Kyle figure out a way to get us 23 points, not 24, not 21. Figure out a way to get us 23 points and we can leave this game victorious. We have not allowed 20 points to any team that we've played so far this year. Don't tell me about it's just the Bears. Don't tell me it's just the Seahawks. I, I don't care about any of that shit. None of that's going to make a difference. The Broncos have a good team. They were first in the NFL with total first downs. They moved the ball extremely well, the Broncos. The Niners went in there and held that team to their lowest number of yards all season. Nine. Nine three and outs against that Broncos team that was averaging, uh, that had more first downs than any team in the NFL. They they knew how to move the ball. They struggled in red zone. They had five total turnovers, in, or reasons they didn't score, I'm sorry, in the red zone. All right? The Niners didn't even give them those opportunities until one time in that entire game. This defense is legit. They're the real deal, and this is the time. Now that this whole new offensive line is in there, we talk about chemistry. We talk about not knowing each other. Jimmy using that excuse as to why he's not on, on page with everybody, right? Imagine how Matt Stafford's going to feel with a whole new line that's not going to know exactly what his tendencies are. They're not going to know how to feed off of each other. If this guy's struggling, I can go over and help with this guy. We've seen that happening with this 49ers offensive line. When Trent Williams was in there and he's got a guy over there and Aaron Banks didn't have anyone – to, to tackle, he would go boom, hit Trent Williams' guy, and then run to the second level. Those guys had a chemistry. They had a rapport. These guys don't. We should be able to take advantage of it right now and this week. Well said. I, I really agree. I think that's going to be the, where the 49ers' bread and butter comes from Monday yep. night. Absolutely. And, and you think about it. Again, Patrick offensive line, and what's the one thing we know about Matthew Stafford? That dude will just huck it up there. He will make mistakes. And this is going to be a game where the 49ers, unlike the last few years, did, listen, this 49ers team has a nose for the football, it looks like, for interceptions, for fumbles, for this and that. They look like they know what they're doing. I mean, they have the secondary is finally coming together. I know we talk about liking Ward. Uh, dude, Gibson is much more of a ball hawk than Ward has ever been in his career, like by eightfold. So if you, this ain't going to be a situation like last year, Joukowsky Tart, God rest his soul. Um, if Matthew Stafford throws one of those up, somebody's going to take it. I mean, we know who Fonga can pick the ball off. He's got multi, he's got a lot of picks. So, I mean, even early in his career, I think he's got four or five already. So this is a team that's going to take advantage of Matthew Stafford mistakes. So the defense has to get home early and often, and that's, what's going to keep 49ers in the games. Um, 
much more so, uh, unfortunately, than the offense. And I think that Kyle does still kind of have McVay's number. I think, you know, that again, it's the apprentice versus the master sort of thing where the master's like, I've shown you everything you know, but I haven't shown you everything that I know. And as long as he still holds things in reserve and has a little a little trickery or whatever, I think that he can still get over. I think that the Rams, you know, the Rams have a pretty decent record. They've, they've been doing pretty good or whatever, but I do still think that there's some of that Super Bowl hangover. And I think that they've been a little sloppy and they've, they've played games tighter than they should have against teams they should have beat by more. Um, it's, it's a winnable game for the 49ers. They need the offense to do everything right, though. I, w- I would love to see Kyle run that play that was a safety. Nowhere near the goal line, though. That was a beautifully designed play. Had juice not fallen over, we broke that. We broke that down previously, but uh, we haven't done it with Matt being here. We actually broke down the entire play, and if juice doesn't fall, Kittle doesn't stumble, and he is wide open up the left sideline, which is the side that Jimmy can throw to better than the right side. For I guess because he's right-handed, maybe throwing to the left is easier. Whatever the reasoning is, but that play was a very well-designed play. He ran at the wrong time, being right there in the shadow of the goal line. It was terrible. Uh, but I, I do fault Kyle and Jimmy equally for that play, being the way that it was. Um, but it was a really, really well-designed play. And I say, fuck it, bring it back. Like, at this point, like, for, forget saving stuff for later on in the year. Forget setting things up for, you know, a, a postseason run and all that. The postseason's not guaranteed. Get first place in the division by any means necessary. We have to be focused in this game. There's a we, we could do it. We could do it. But if Jimmy comes out and plays the way that he did last week, we're, we're going to lose this game. It's, it's not a question of, of whether or not we can overcome. You can't overcome the offense literally giving points to the other team. That's one thing that you cannot overcome. Your defense can play lights out if they want to, but you're not going to be able to overcome those things. But if we can go ahead and run this play from the 40-yard line, it's a touchdown for for uh, for George Kittle. I guarantee it. Look at this. God, if Kittle didn't stumble, look at that. Look at that play. So, oh, I'm not I'm not going to do the whole breakdown here. But one more for me. One more for me. I want to see this. number number twenty two is supposed to watch the running back, but he ends up picking up George Kittle because George Kittle came out later. So what's, what if this if this play works in rhythm, 22 has to decide, am I going to go with Kittle or am I going to go with the running back? The running back is a guy closer to him. He's naturally going to think, I have to get the running back because that's where the play is going. Kittle is supposed to – Kittle already tripped by this point. So I don't know if you can run it back or not. Kittle already stumbled at this point. Juice falls. Kittle stumbles o- over him. He doesn't fall all the way down, and then – Boom, there's the stumble right there. Okay. If Kittle doesn't stumble, now you're putting 22 in a spot where he has to decide, is it the running back or is it George Kittle? One one more, running back, one more time. I want to see it one more time. 90% of the time, that guy is going to go for the running back, knowing Jimmy Garoppolo's tendencies. He doesn't like to throw deep. Oh, yeah. But, but because he didn't, that guy stayed with George Kittle. That was a touchdown play. This was. I mean, Ayuk is open underneath, play. too. Yeah. Yep. I mean, either way, it's a, it's a, it's a big game. Right, IU will probably be caught by one of those two guys in a, in a normal situation, but it's, it's a game to give you some breathing space. It's a it's at least a first down. We run this play away from that goal line where Jimmy's not backing out. If the offensive line just holds up for a freaking second, I mean they folded. The line completely folded on this play. Also, and look at the numbers. Yeah, I was gonna say you broke that down on the Patreon. Just 
I bet you Kyle Shannon had no idea that the left side, I mean, left on our side, the right side of their line would break down considering, you know, one, two, three on the right. And then only two on the left compared to all of these 49ers players. Yet the pressure immediately comes from this side. Terrible. Like, <laughs> it, it, it was, yeah, it's wild and it's unfortunate. But I agree with you, Mike. A lot of people were like, why would he call this play in the end zone? He knows how backed up they are. What was he thinking? But if it's executed correctly, it's either a touchdown or a big gain. At the very least, a first down. So that's why I don't agree with the people that say Kyle Shanahan is, you know, needs to get out of here or needs to improve his playbook or it's Kyle, not Jimmy. Kyle did enough. I mean, listen, it's definitely Jimmy. I mean, come on. Everybody talks about Jimmy's QB wins or whatever. He was 19 and five through the 2019 season. And then since then he's been 14 and 11. Like he's fallen off big time. Averaging a more than a turnover a game. A game, exactly. That is, and that it, is it doesn't matter real. how well Kyle, we've seen it. It doesn't matter how well Kyle draws up a game plan or how beautifully he designs the plays. At the end of the day, when Kyle calls these plays, it's up to the players to execute. And Jimmy Garoppolo, the only thing that he's executing is the 49ers' chance to win at this point. <laughs> I love that. Um, real quick, I just want to ask you guys. Sorry, I'll let you go after Mike. But um, there's been talk of... If Kyle Shanahan is replaced, which I don't think will happen in the in the least, right? But Lynch will go first. Yes, Lynch I will agree. go first. D'Amico is on the up and coming. He's likely going to be gone after this year. He should have been gone after last year, but he decided to turn those offers down, stay another year as 49ers defensive coordinator. If they chose to move off from Kyle Shanahan, could we see a situation similar to when Harbaugh got moved off from and they chose one of his coaching staff coaches and Jim Tomsula? I always call him Tom Jim Sula, but could that be similar to where the 49ers say, we're going to let you go, but we're keeping your staff member, D'Amico Ryans. You're now the head coach. I would say, I would say while it's possible, it would have to be contingent on one very important thing that when you're trying to develop a young quarterback, having a defensive head coach makes that prospect even harder than it should be. So it would have to come with a caveat of we really need to get somebody in here that can maximize Trey Lance's talents. Um, For me, I would much rather they go with an offensive guy who's not only going to like, you know, have his scheme and have, you know, this and this and that, but who knows enough other offensive guys that it's going to maximize what Trey can do. So while, I mean, while D'Amico is, outstanding as as a defensive coordinator there is something to be said i mean he's only been a defensive coordinator for two years so there's something to be said about too much too quickly um i don't know and and it's not to say that D'Amico ryan's wouldn't eventually become a great head coach but i mean look at all the guys that i mean how long was mcveigh in the nfl coaching before he got a, a shot or even kyle how long was he in the nfl i mean he made matt Schaub a pro bowler in like 2008 you know, and he didn't get his shot for eight or nine years. I'm not saying that that Kyle or that D'Amico Ryan isn't going to be eventually a, an NFL head coach and a successful one at that. I'm saying that with only two years under your belt as a major coordinator, I think that at being asked to be a head coach that quickly, I, I think is unfair to him. Um, and I think that it sets him up for, you know, potentially too much too soon. 
what's your take, Mike? Yeah, no. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to try to move on from a, a, a head coach and try to replace him with someone on the staff. But if you do replace him with someone on the staff, I think you want to try to stick with the same offensive scheme. This is what Trey Lance sat on the bench and learned for an entire season. And then after that, he it's supposed to be his year. We're ready for you. We've developed this whole playbook based around your skill set and your talents. You don't want to – like Kyle's not going anywhere. I, I understand how people feel in the moment. I do. I really, really do. I said on that play that we showed, um, you know, I blame Kyle as much as Jimmy for where he ran the play and all that, uh, Jimmy's execution of the play or lack thereof. But you're not going to move on from, from, from Kyle right now, not this season. And when it comes to D'Amico, I think he's on a mission. What that mission is, I'm not quite sure. We were already a top five defense last year. There were teams calling him for interviews. He went through the whole course of all the first round interviews, and then he refused every second interview with him because he wanted to come back. There's something he's trying to accomplish. Is it to bring the Lombardi here to the to, to the Bay back? Is it to bring it back to the Bay? I'm not sure, but he's on a mission for some reason, whatever, whatever it is that's motivating him to stay. I don't know if he got a bump in pay because of it, and we just didn't, it didn't get reported. It doesn't affect the salary cap, so we wouldn't, likely hear about that anyway um i don't know what it was but he stayed for a reason and as far as i can tell we are playing better on defense but are we top three right now i don't know i can't say that for certain i can't say that for certain and so he hasn't accomplished anything new yet i don't see him leaving right now as at this point at this point i don't see him leaving right now if we make a deep playoff run or something like that then maybe but at this point i don't think D'Amico's going anywhere because of his personal preference just to just to be clear and and let's be clear the easy move here if the 49ers don't live up to expectation is to get rid of john lynch who can easily go and get that tv deal that that was talked about in the offseason that's not going to go anywhere it's tv it's not like just because you didn't make it as as a gm or like you got fired or whatever that that's necessarily going to um thank you because he has the history with fox right he called games on fox for years they know as a broadcaster he's a known commodity he can go and get that job and then that makes it easy because adam peters is the guy that's next in line anyway and there's always every season a danger that you could lose adam peters to an actual gm job you can't block promotions you can only block lateral moves so for adam peters it it's the next step right kyle is going to be the last domino to fall on that so i think that Again, if the 49ers don't live up to expectations, I don't think Kyle is going to be the one. So really, you'd look at losing D'Amico Ryans to an external position, not because you know you need to necessarily promote him within the 49ers organization too soon. Kyle's not going anywhere. He just got the six-year extension, and it's a lot easier for John Lynch to accept the buyout or go and do this TV deal than it is for them to... Not, I mean, because with John Lynch gone, what really changes with the scheme or anything like that? You know, Adam Peters might have a slightly different approach to, you know, collecting players, and he might actually finally be able to overrule somebody. You know, maybe there's a contingency from Jed York that's like, hey, Kyle, you're no longer picking players. Adam's going to pick your players, and you guys can do it in conjunction, but you don't have the final say anymore. And then maybe we see a shift in, in draft. And then with a lack of injuries, with more production from the two, three, and four fourth round spots, maybe we see Kyle's scheme actually get to grow because you take that component out of it. It's been, it's a tale as old as time. Head coaches that are allowed to pick their own players with no oversight 
don't typically tend to work out. They're the outliers, the ones that do, because you need somebody with an objective observation, an objective approach to getting players that'll fit a scheme rather than the guys that you love. So I think that, again, if anybody's going to go, it's going to be John Lynch, not Kyle Shanahan. That's a good point. I just want to say, Matt, you're on fire this morning, this afternoon, whatever time it is. I appreciate your insight. Um, so let's get into this game, right? 49ers, Rams. Crazy. because I haven't had any cocktails yet, Zach. <laughs> That's usually, right, yeah. Usually I'm a little mushy by the time we go on because, you know, Jimmy G leads me to, uh, to drink that Jimmy Gin. That's fair. So. That's fair. Jimmy Chin. That's a good man. That man should start a gin company. That would be. I'm going to start calling him Jimmy Guillotine because he cuts the head off of this team every time he goes out there. You're on it. All right. This matchup is going to be a tough one to watch, in my opinion. I don't know what to expect out of this offense. And, and, and the only reason why I'm slightly optimistic is I don't think what we saw from Jimmy Garoppolo is what we're going to see for the next 14 games. What we saw from him on Sunday night. I think that was on the very, 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 very far end of the bad of the spectrum that is Jimmy Garoppolo as a player. I mean, we were talking about this the other day, Mike. Is there a worse game we've seen from Jimmy since he's been the starting quarterback? I, I really don't think there is. So I can't imagine we're going to come out and see a repeat performance of his worst game ever against a team he's familiar with that has gotten, in my opinion, they've regressed since the last time they played in the playoffs. Um, and you pointed it out, Mike, on the Patreon show that we did, Jimmy G's best performances are against the Rams and the Cardinals. We're playing the Rams. So with that said, Matt, I'm going to throw it back to you. And I know we just made the jokes, Jimmy G, Jimmy Guillotine. What do you expect from Jimmy G Monday night? I expect a, a Jimmy classic game more in line with what we got against the Seattle Seahawks and what we got against the Denver Broncos. It's going to be something along the lines of he'll be like, 21 of 27 for like 190 yards, a touchdown and a pick like just a classic Jimmy game where he doesn't do anything that's going to kill you too bad, but he's not going to put you in position to win. And I think it's going to be on everybody else to kind of carry him to victory. And I really do think that the way that the 49ers can win this game is to get after Matthew Stafford and force him into mistakes and get good field position so that those you know, those drives where Jimmy's only getting you like 20 yards on the drive actually puts you in position for Robbie Gould to kick a field goal. You know, the team is going to live off a of three, right? They're going to be the Golden State Warriors. It's good. It's got to be three all day. That's hilarious. Mike, what are your expectations for Jimmy G Monday night? All right. I'm going to try to be positive here. I'm going to say it. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has a bounce back game. I don't think that we see the horrible shit show that we saw last week. I don't think we saw what we um, saw in the NFC Championship game. I think Jimmy settles in. I think he takes the easy throws. I think we're going to see a lot of screens, a lot of short passes across the middle, him getting the ball out of his hands as soon as possible. Uh, you know, this is what the, the reason I think his stats are as good as they are is largely in part because of Aaron Donald being on the other side. I know that sounds crazy, right? But his stats against this team, we, we just talked about it. The two teams he plays the best against are, are this team and the Cardinals. And I think it's because of their pass rush. They know this team so well that their pass rush gets after them. Kyle's not going to draw up many plays where he has to hold the ball, turn his back to the defense, read a defense, and then make the right throw. He's going to design a lot of quick outs. Jimmy's going to be uh, dinking and dunking all the way down the field all game long. And then that's also going to be supported by a phenomenal run game. 
I think we can take advantage of the run game. People talk about Brunskill owning Aaron Donald, when in reality, we're just running plays away from Aaron Donald. It's not that Aaron Donald is terrible when he plays against the 49ers and Daniel Brunskill. The truth of the matter is we avoid Aaron Donald. We see where he is, and then we try to move the ball away from him. Where we messed up, where things were a little bit different last year, was that they had Von Miller, and so that allowed them the freedom to move Aaron Donald to three other positions whenever he wanted, and he moved all up and down that defensive line. There is no Von Miller this year. Uh, I don't think they're going to go out there and just trust, you know, uh, what what's my man's name right now that's got a sack for them? Um, uh, Ashawn Robinson. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't think they're going to go out there and just trust that Leonard Floyd or to uh, Tack McKinley is going to come in and just be that guy, right? They are solely depending on Aaron Donald to be the disruptor, and the Niners will play around him no matter what's going on. So Kyle's going to look at the formation, the the the, the personnel that they run out, and he's going to say, "All right, this is what we're going to do," and he's going to execute those plays that way. You guys talk about Kyle as a play caller. I think he puts on a clinic in this game to give the 49ers their best shot at winning this game. And it's going to start with Jimmy Garoppolo, believe it or not. A lot of dink and dunk for big yardage, yards after the catch. I think the Yak Bros show why they came up with that name while the shirts were selling, saying Yak Bros. This is going to be the game for it all right now. I design plays to stay away from. I know we picked on him for week one, but I'd also design plays to stay away from Jalen Ramsey, too. Um, you got to stay away from Donald and Jalen Ramsey if they can do that. Like whoever Jalen Ramsey is going to line up against, sorry, you're not going to really get touches this week if that's the case, right? He has to design in mind where's Jalen Ramsey going to be on the field because Jalen Ramsey does travel, and it's got to be a A and B. And I know I talked about earlier that you know I have people saying Kyle is like predetermined or whatever, like with one read or whatever. I I can tell you that it would behoove Kyle to be predetermined in terms of. I ain't throwing here, right? Like, I ain't throwing where Jalen Ramsey's at. I think that would be good. But then, like, give options everywhere else. There needs to be multiple. uh, And, again, it's hard because you have to rely on Jimmy G's decision-making. I would just put it in his head. Hey, do not test Jalen Ramsey. Do not test Jalen Ramsey. Know where he is on the field at all times, right? And then go, go where, you know, go where you need to go. But. There are opportunities here. I do think I agree with Mike that they're going to get the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands as fast as possible. You cannot, with this offensive line, with the way that it's in shambles, even with lackluster edge rushers, you cannot try to develop these down-the-field plays on a consistent basis. You, you, I, it's got to be a lot of quick screens, slants, drags, whatever you got to do to get the ball out of Jimmy's hands. And if not, then you're running the ball. So, Yeah, I mean, I agree with that quick releases because we cannot afford this again we talked about the rams offensive line being a little patchy 49ers offensive line is going to go in with a new look due to uh trent williams not being there so we'll see how this shapes out you have something to add mike yeah so let me just ask you guys this question just straight up if you guys were to head over to my bookie and place funds on this game which way are you going I already put, I, like I said, I have, I have the paper right here. I already picked the Rams, uh, but this was before me knowing that that offensive line is a whole remake. I probably would have taken the Niners then, you know, and that sucks because on my picks here, the Monday night game is always a tiebreaker. So now I'm crossing my fingers, hoping that my regular picks are enough to win this for me because I think now the Niners might have a shot. But if, if, if there was cash on the line, if you guys are heading to my bookie right now, how are you going to do it? Who are you saying takes the cake here? 
I think I'm taking the Rams because even though it's a road game, the 49ers are only getting one and a half, like at home. That to me speaks that 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 Vegas or the odds makers are not, you know, very confident in this 49ers team. I would take the Rams and the points, to be honest, because I'm I'm with Mike. I think straight up the Rams probably win this game. You know, unfortunately. Damn. I gotta All see right. I gotta see more than 10 points out of the out of this Jimmy G offense before I can bet on this team. I, I just can't do it, man. You know what? I'm, I'm taking the Niners. I'm taking the Niners money line. I don't know what it is about Kyle uh, Shanahan, Sean McVay, Jimmy Garoppolo. I was watching uh, Locked On 49ers the other day, and they had on, I forget his name, but the Locked On Rams guys. And they were saying, like, something about Jimmy G when I see him just fucking scares me down to my core. Like, you know, I don't know what it is. Like, he just has our number. And up until this last playoff game, the 49ers – have been just completely owning the Rams. And I, you know, he mentioned even that week 18 matchup where they thought they got ahead. They thought it was over. Jimmy fucking G brought the 49ers back through his arm. They did most of it passing. I just watched that game again last night. And I don't know, man. I, I like Kyle Shanahan. He does not get embarrassed. He may lose once to Kyle Shanahan, but he's, or excuse me, to Sean McVay, but he's never been embarrassed by one of his coaching disciples. Um, with that said, we're going to pick a prop, but we got to shout out our sponsor. That is, of course, my bookie. Guys, you all know football. You pick winners all the time. You might as well get paid for doing so at my bookie. You can bet single game spreads, money lines, or parlay multiple together to increase your payouts. Last Sunday, I was like, I think the Jets, I was so close to winning like a six game parlay that would have paid out like 1500 bucks. But I trusted Robert Sala and the Jets, and I shouldn't have. That's all right. They got low contest entry fees, over half a million dollars to be won. Make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have some fun. You might be asking, Zach, how do I get started? It's super simple. Just visit mybookie.ag and use promo code HIVE, H-I-V-E. It's on the screen right here. And once you make that first deposit of $50 or more, you will secure a double deposit bonus. They will instantly match all the way up to 1000 bucks. You deposit $500, they will match you $500. You can do the math. That's promo code HIVE, H-I-V-E, to get your first deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. My bookie is a proven sports book, and that makes it super simple to bet and super simple to win. So make this your winning season, guys, exclusively at my bookie. With that all said, Let's pick some picks. It's going to be a tough one. I'm not sure how many you guys want to take a look at, but let's pull it up, baby. Well, I can put, let me go to my trusty sheet here. All right. I got my answers here already. So Mike's prepared. All right. So 49ers money line are currently at 179, negative 179. Whoa, this is this is next week. I don't know why this is next week. Let me pull it up. Okay, listen, I, I already got mine right now. Um, the the over-under for this game is 42.5. With these offensive lines looking the way they are, I'm taking the under. I always, I'm always team over, but this week I'm going under. I'm taking the under. I don't like these offenses with what they're doing with the offensive lines. I, I, think, I think I'm going to take the under on this one. It's, it's it, you know, Matt's on Matt's on to something here, right? The Niners have not allowed 20 points to anybody they faced this season so far. I don't see that trend uh, changing right now. 
Um, and I don't think that we're going to go out there and just score the lights out. I don't think we're putting up 30 or 40 points on this team. And so if that's the case, the under feels a lot safer to me than anything else. Okay. Um, I'm trying to find. Damn, you got some fundage in there, bro. Let's go. I see you. Let's go. Yo, I hit on a bet. I forget. I think week one, I hit on a bet. That was like a $700 bet, you know, like it paid out. So I'm telling you guys, these parlays pay out. So make sure you're over here hitting on them because look, $5, $10, $20, that could turn into $150, $200, $500. So I, I had more before Thursday night, but unfortunately. Listen, it, I, had a, I had a $15 parlay and had I won, this is going to sound crazy to you guys, it was $38,000 and I lost it by one team. You guys want to guess what, what game that was? The 49ers Broncos? No, no, no. It Thursday was- night. It was the Colts and Chiefs. That's right. That you was the one that. game. That's the one game uh, that put thirty-eight thousand dollars gone. The one that seemed like it would have been a short thing, too, right? Right. Yeah, thirty-eight Gs. So uh, you know, it, but it's a it's so much more fun though. You know, the only thing I wish, forget winning or losing, right? I just wish that it wasn't a one o'clock game because I just ripped up my tickets because I picked them on all of them. So I, I just ripped up my tickets and didn't care. But then I went back and looked and I was like, oh, my God, I was so close. Like that was a one game. So yeah. this is it, it's a lot of fun, man. So all right, here we go. Let's go. This is going to be my bet. I've done this a couple of times and it usually hits halftime, full time. I think the Rams are going to be up at half. And I think the 49ers come back to win it. And that's plus 674. So let's do the bet. $30. Pays out 202. Here we go, baby. Rams at half, Niners win. Call me crazy. Call me crazy. I don't know. That is tough, man, because here's why I hesitate, right? I don't know what the Rams are going to do throughout the first half, but the Niners' first two drives are usually their best two drives. So that's a little tough for me to sit here and say with a straight face, man. Like, I, I would I would be scared about that. I think the Niners defense comes out really well. And they, if if the Niners defense falters, it's going to be because the offense isn't doing their part and they're tired later in the game. I think the first half that defense is on point. This is going to be interesting, man. This is going to be really interesting. I like it, though. I like it, man. Good, good luck to that. Good luck. I appreciate it. All right. With that all said, let's get into our offensive defensive MVP predictions and we'll wrap it up with the final score prediction guys if you're in here comment chat however you want to get it to us send us your predictions if you get it right you win some merch nobody's ever gotten it right that's not true one person got it right last year but they never responded to win the merch so make of that what you will Matt I'm going to start with you I know your defense so let's start with offensive offensive MVP I am going to go with Brandon Ayuk I think that he's going to have a good game this week. I think that Jalen Ramsey and Sean McVay are going to be so preoccupied with holding off Debo Samuel that Brandon Ayuk is going to benefit from that. I think Brandon Ayuk has six catches for 75 yards and a touchdown with with 70, 70 yards of yak. My offense, My offensive guy is going to be none other than Jeff Wilson Jr. I think Kyle sticks with the run game. I think he establishes something here. And I'm going to say Jeff Wilson Jr. has his first 100-plus yard game this week. Uh, I'm going to say Jeff Wilson Jr. with one touchdown, 107 rushing yards. Uh, that, that that That's going to be my offensive MVP. Mine, 
I got to go with Debo Samuel. The dude has balled out against the Rams the past, I don't even know how many times, three, four times. He always shows up against the Rams. There's that hatred. I know he's probably just playing that clip of Aaron Donald asking who when he's asked, how do you prepare for a guy like Debo Samuel? Debo Samuel is going to ball out, and I'm going to say he's going to have like six rushes for 50 yards and another, you know, four catches for 70 yards and at least one touchdown. Let's move on to the defensive MVP predictions. Matt, I already know yours, but hit us. Nick Bosa, three sacks and a forced fumble. I am going, again, I'm going to talk this shit into existence. It's going to happen. And he's looked polished as all get out so far. Four sacks in three games. The sky's the limit for him. He's looking lean and mean, and three sacks and a forced fumble seems just right against this Rams offense. I like that a lot. Can I name a a position as opposed to a player? Because I don't know who's going to be playing there. My position is going to be the the, the nickel corner. I don't know if it's going to be Lenore or Womack, right? Because last week there was a little curveball there. Lenore got the start and played over Samuel Womack, right? Uh, I think that when the team, when the Rams get in trouble, they end up lining up Cooper Cup in the slot, and then they just feed him the ball. I think whoever is covering him will end up with not one, but two picks in this game. I think they're going to force it to him. I think the defensive line gets there early. I think we see some bad at passes or something like that. Whatever it is that's going to cause this to happen, I see two picks for whoever the nickel corner is in this game between the 49ers and the Rams on Monday night. So that's going to be my defensive MVP. Sweet. All right. I'm going to go with Tashawn Gibson. I think the dude balls out. Jimmy Ward likely comes back next week, if, I, if I'm reading everything correctly. And I think he's going to have a pick six. I, I'm calling it now. The, in order for the 49ers to win this game, the defense needs to score. Unfortunately, I think that's just how it's going to shape out. Defense needs to score. Deshaun Gibson, pick six. The dude's been balling out, replacing, I shouldn't say replacing, filling in for Jimmy Ward and doing a hell of a job. Pick six. Final score I just want to address this real quick. Hold oh, on, hold ahead. on a second. Hold on a second. Kali, you've been in here for how long? I've been saying this shit since week one of last year. My defensive guy's been the same since week one of last year. I ain't stole shit. You stole my shit in John Chapman's chat. Pay the man. Pay the man. You owe me royalties, brother. <laughs> You've been saying it, yeah, every single game. Every single game. Speaking it into existence. Let's go wrap it up. Final score predictions. Mike, let's start with you. Who's winning right. this game? So despite what I wrote on paper, I did not know about the new offensive line for the Rams. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to say Niners win this game 23-18. to 23-18, 49ers. I know they're weird numbers to try to put together. I get it. I know. I know. I can't explain it. Maybe there's some mixed extra points or something. like. I, I don't know. I don't know. Someone's going for two because they're desperate, trying to stay within something. I don't know. But 23-18 is what's coming to me. I'm going to rock with it. I'm going to do something and entirely unprecedented. It's 23 18 okay. under the uh, the total score. What was the total score line again? Was it like 40? half? Yeah, so that would be 41. Yep. I'm going to do something completely unprecedented, never before done on the Red and Gold Standard podcast, never before done in predictions. I'm going to, because uh, I'm back and forth, I'm torn. I can't decide either way. 2020 tie. <sighs> No fucking way. All right. A tie. A tie has been predicted here. That's how you know how shitty times are for the 49ers. I'm going to go 
21 to 17. And I think it's going to come down to like a fourth down stop by the 49ers defense, 20 or 17 Niners. And I think the Niners end it with their defense like they did last year in week 17 or whatever. Uh, maybe not with a pick, maybe a fourth down stop. I don't know. It's going to be a classic nail biter. The 49ers always do this shit to us. Aside from that week two win against Seattle, it's almost like every win is like, oh my God, are they going to win? Are they going to win? And they somehow have previously walked out with that win. I think they're going to walk out Monday night victorious 21 to 17. And if they lose this game, I'm done picking them. I'm just throwing that out there because they let me down so many fucking times. I can't do it to myself anymore. I cannot let myself down. Just throwing that out there. Any final thoughts, guys? I mean, that's why I picked the tie, right? They've let me down so many times, but I feel gross picking the Rams, so I can't do it. I'm, I'm just hedging here. This is a complete cop-out for me. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm almost glad that I'm working so that I don't have to deal with the stress of the game. That's hilarious. Yeah, um, also, just real quick, I am going to be in San Luis Obispo for this game, so I will not be on the wrap-up recap show not sure when we'll even get to it it'll be late monday night but we'll put those details out follow us on twitter handles are on the screen you'll get the details there mike any final thoughts no man i got nothing guys just stay patient uh make sure you guys are understanding the point that we're at in the season here we are embarking on week four with a lot more on the line than what we anticipated but if we can come out of this at four and four the Niners, I mean, I'm sorry, two and two. The Niners are in really, really good position, and we're atop the NFC West. That's all you could hope for. Uh, re- records be damned, scores be damned. It's just the winner of the loss is all that's going to matter. Hopefully, it's not the tie like my man Matt said, because that would really, really mess us up. And then we could possibly fall all the way to like third or something like that, right? I, well, no, I guess the tie doesn't count as a loss. So if ever if all the other teams win with only uh, just the one, the one win then I guess we would still be in second. So I, that's not terrible, but let's hope that somebody finds another point in there somewhere so we can go ahead and get this win. All right, man. This is going to be a tough game. Let's hope the 49ers come out with it, come out on first place in the NFC West, like Mike just said. With that all being said, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Matt, you want to carry us out? Absolutely. We love having you here each and every week. We're bringing you content as much as we can. It's been a rough season so far, but hopefully, fingers crossed, the 49ers can do something to kind of turn the season around. We got our fingers crossed for Monday night. So thank you as always for joining us. And until next time, go Niners.